This might be the best quarterback draft class in years, and we have huge franchises like Chicago, New England, and Washington with a ton on the line. My name is Craig Horlbeck, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Danny Heifetz. We cover trades, free agency, the draft, obviously, everything. We'll tell you all about which quarterbacks are going to be good, which quarterbacks are going to be bad, like Kenny Pickett, and if there's a diamond in the rough, like Brock Purdy. Follow us at the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on Cars.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I need supports to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk. Now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me in the studio, it was because of Deadpool 3. He had to come in. It's Andy Greenwald. I want you to put the word out. We're back up. <laughs> we are so back. Is that what Kevin Feige is saying right now? Andy, it's great to see you. It feels great to be here. We are going to be talking a little bit about last night's cornucopia of pop culture and sports that was the Super Bowl. It was. Um, I know you have a lot of takes on Kyle Shanahan's clock management and, and ice spice execution of overtime rules. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to talk about True Detective, a little bit of admin. Mm. What is Stick the Landing this week? It's a great question. Uh, I think it's Freaks and Geeks. With Joanna Robinson. With correct? Joanna Robinson, of yes. Of course, yes. Uh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be on Wednesday. That's going to be great. Thursday, we're going to be doing a Mr. and Mrs. Smith-centric pod. Mm-hmm. But maybe we will do some catch-up on Monsieur Spade on Thursday just to like set us up for the finale. Just a wet little whistle. The whistle. Mm-hmm. I hope people have still been enjoying that. Uh, in the future, I would like to talk about some other shows. There's a couple of things bubbling out there. I would love to revisit Tokyo Vice. We'd like, I'd love to get back into Abbott Elementary. But we are still largely True Detective and Monsieur Spade focused. Did, did right you now. watch the Eagles cameos on the season I premiere? Did. I did. Too. I watched the the episode. You didn't just cherry pick. No, I didn't just say it. Just serve me only Jalen Hurts content. Uh, Green one. Then we're also going to talk about the penultimate episode of True Detective today. Mm-hmm. And then we will release an episode Sunday night right after the finale. Yeah. That's that what sound, we do. That sounds good. Yeah. Can I ask you something? hmm So, as you alluded to, I'm back. I'm back in my bag, feeling good, feeling healthy. Yeah. Was driving in like a full, full cliche of a 46-year-old man. Windows down. Listening to Radio Free Europe by R.E.M. You weren't listening to Bill and Sal, no? I already did that this morning. Okay. I I listened to them during the shower. It's a very intimate experience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you listen to pods while you shower? No, I never have before, but I got a new... Do you want to talk about this? I got a new little Bluetooth speaker. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, why doesn't this just come with me? (laughs) It's not... I don't think that... You're looking at me like there's a camera attachment. No, I just... It's because I often listen to Ringer pods. Yeah. I don't really love having an like a bathroom level intimacy. I agree, with and, but and, I know that other people do. I know Mal listens to the watch. I know while she has her like while she bathes. It's her me time. Yeah, I appreciate that, and I and I 
I, I, I feel like it's a little, it might have been a bridge too far. Okay. To hear Sal make Dak Prescott jokes while lathering up. But. <laughs> Pine-scented body wash. <laughs> Citrus, but okay. Yeah. Um, so, so there I was driving along and it made me think of some news that, that we were texting with our buddy Brian Raftery about, which is that the actor Michael Shannon, yeah. soon to be seen in the new, uh, the latest 19th century presidential assassination television show, yeah. right, that we were talking about, has been busy this offseason touring the country with Jason Narducci, who used to be in Super Chunk and a bunch of other bands, um, playing R.E.M.'s Murmur, uh-huh. just singing Right, and then recently, we like, really are leading with the most I, important thing. Here. I wanted to ask you a question. <laughs> Keywords, Michael Shannon. Super Bowl. I just want to ask you something. Do you are you pro? Like, would you go see? And he's not a rando, but largely this is a rando thing. Would you go to see live band karaoke of bands you love? I'm glad you asked me this. Absolutely not. You wouldn't. Absolutely oh. not. Because I don't go to enough live shows anymore to that's do true. a night out doing a goof off novelty thing. That's like basically like. Okay, uh, like a sort of tribute to REM. I'm sure it's really good, but like I couldn't justify to myself being yeah. like, I skipped X show, Y show, Z show, but I am going to go see Michael Shannon do Murmur. When you said X show, Y show, I thought you were saying like you couldn't do this to the fans of the podcast by skipping some television programs. But you mean live shows that you haven't <laughs> live gone shows, to in the past. Like going out to go oh. see. Yeah, because I was like, I know that the watch live show schedule is not robust, but like, what if we did like, if we were just like, we're going to get some friends and we're just going to do Under the Bushes, Under the Stars by Guided by Voices live? Musically, you and I performing? What if we did that? Uh, We could do it. I think that that might limit our scope of our, what what kind of venue we can play. I'm not sure. I'm just asking. Okay, so you're anti- You're so positive today. I don't know. I was watching clip of, uh, there was an emo band from Philadelphia called Modern Baseball. Uh I really liked their last record a lot, especially. And they, a couple years ago, they they went to a festival. No, they didn't. But like, now it's like eight or nine years ago, they played a show as The Killers. Yes. And I've watched that clip more than I've listened to their their own albums. Sure. But I think there's a difference between going to see like Modern Baseball do like covers and going to see like Michael Shannon Mm. Pretending, but to be then Michael REM Stipe. showed up at the Forty Watt, but they didn't play. They only like individually got up on okay. stage and like Here's they never this. got back together. What if we did a live show uh-huh. as the Ryan Russillo podcast? <laughs> what if we did a live karaoke show of a different? Podcast? Oh, we did like life advice and stuff. Yes, would Ryan eventually show up at the end? If we were so lucky, I mean, if we did it near the beach, maybe he would. Well, so which one of us would do the opening monologue that goes on for a little bit? Like, would you would you want to do it or would I? This is interesting because I immediately think you would do it. No, you but, would do But it. you think that I'm better at um, solo monologues. I just think that you do do solo monologues. <laughs> I didn't really think about which one of us. Oh, what I heard was... It's also was, like, who's, is it, who's better? That's like collecting I, baseball cards. Like, are you better at collecting baseball cards I, than me? What I heard was that I was better, but okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so I feel like we did some good admin at the top. Um, that was good admin. Andy, uh, the Super Bowl, we often do this mm. where we, the day after the Super Bowl, we have a pod. The Super Bowl kind of s- subsumes all Sunday night stuff anyway. And mm-hmm. True Detective went up on Friday. Um, so, it, like, you know, everybody gets out of the way. Mm-hmm. There was not like a watch-centric show airing after the Super Bowl in years past. We've had, well, in the... You know, in our childhood, we had Homicide Life on the Street. But like, you know, sometimes, remember the year that the, didn't the J.J. Abrams movie come out? Or not the J. The yes. Cloverfield movie came out after yes. the Eagles, Netflix right? dropped it that night. After live. the Eagles game. I don't remember much of the rest of that night, but I remember that that seems right. I was real sharp that night. Uh, 
and then yeah, so you tackled me that night. I think Tracker I was aired after uh, CBS. Can, uh, can I say something for the Daddingtons? I thought Tracker was a live action spinoff of the Spanish speaking Paw Patrol member. Well, here's it's honestly it's not. I'm glad you brought Daddington up because one of the things we're going to do is talk a little bit about the trailers we saw. I mean, we can do some general state of the like falling to. empire of America if you want, but mm-hmm. um, I need to know mm-hmm. what's the what's the Greenwald Daddington mm-hmm. verdict on Wicked? Oh, we we are first day. We are. Psyched. Did you watch the trailer? Of course. Did Did your kids watch the trailer? Everyone is very excited about this movie. Okay. Now there is some. It's interesting. My children are young, but I think that they share a sentiment with many of the older Broadway heads that listen to this podcast, which are larger numbers than people who are watching Monsieur Spade, probably, uh, which is that they kind of do wish that it was the original cast, that somehow John Chu had had the clout to get Dina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth back together. You don't think they were available? They were available. And (laughs) Dina Menzel is doing a a struggle tour, being like, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. (laughs) Have you seen this? No. She's she's not taking this super well. Oh my god, that sucks. It sucks. It's oh, hard. Oh man, that's tough. But um, <laughs> I should do that for for stick the landing. You <laughs> should see me. <laughs> she go around. Just be like, I'm really happy for him. It seems like he's really he's he's, he's really got flourishing. good chemistry with anyone. It doesn't really matter if it's me or Joe or Bill. Like, I mean, really, yeah. Mr. Detective, you gave me all the clues when you were like, he's really good at podcasting solo. And monologuing. Okay, uh, so but, so you should have seen me explaining to my daughters that Cynthia Revo was really good in HBO's The Outsider. <laughs> she could see ghosts, but also now she's green. Wicked is a four quadrant hit. It's baby. the it's the cinema moment. It's the the biggest biggest date on your calendar. Probably. Do you know that the this movie is event of the year, Wicked Part One? Do you know that it's? I figured two PTs. You figured because you think the IP is so strong, or I just figured. So this is going to be. It's going to end, and it's going to be like the Wicked Adventure continues next year or whatever. It's the first act of the musical. Basically, how long is the musical? As long as all musicals are mad long. Musicals are super long, and when you put most movies omit most of the songs. Like the Mean Girls movie that just came out omits like six to eight songs from the Broadway show, which I know you remember well from your multiple viewings of it before uh, the pandemic. And and John Chu was like, these songs are all bangers. Yeah. And the Stephen Schwartz estate, headed by the still living Stephen Schwartz, was like, I would love for you to perform all of my songs. <laughs> so they moved it into a two-parter. So it's a two-part movie. But why are they calling it Wicked Part One? Mm, I, Just in case? Maybe maybe they'll take a cue from from the upcoming um, Tornado movie and they'll call it Wicked's. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I don't know the answer to this. Maybe because they don't want to seem like a cynical grab, but... Are you familiar with the Wicked IP? No, I actually did say out loud last night. I thought the the Green Witch was bad. Well, that's because you've seen Wizard of Oz. Yeah, but like this I didn't know story. that the whole point of Wicked is that like she's she. So this is the origin. Yeah, this is pre dot. Yes, this okay. is canon. This is the this is the Oz canon. What, you ever think about what happened before? I guess I always thought it was sort of like a figment of Dorothy's imagination. Is, do you think people are born wicked, or are they made? You've watched enough That's movies. a question True Detective is definitely trying to answer. Kai, are you wicked uh, fluent? Are you wicked wicked aware? No, not at all. I'm Oz aware. I also thought the Green Witch oh. was bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's... She, goes, she guys, breaks back. You keep saying she's bad. She's wicked. So it's in the title. It's in, not like... In the show, right? in, the, in the musical and in these movies, uh-huh. it's like it's like the bread or crawl Saul of the okay. Green Witch, right? I just, I just gather my breath here. So there's a school, right? And people go to the school to learn magic in Oz. Oz is just humming. 
There's okay. a wizard. People live there. There's a yellow brick road. Munchkins. All this is all this is happening. Yeah. And then the new class comes to the school, and one of the students in the class is kind of a kiss up. Name Griselda. Glinda. Yeah. <laughs> I need the butcher voice. Griselda. Griselda. Yeah. Very good. And uh, and then there's also kind of an outcast. Okay. Kind of like an emo kid who's, who's green. Okay. Named Elphaba. Okay. And at first they don't like each other because cool kid, not cool kid. There's a great song called Popular. She's like, I'm going to teach you how to be popular. And then more stuff happens. The wizard does, you know. Okay. We're heading towards Dorothy. Dorothy is not in this. Dorothy is uh, adjacent. It's like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern thing. In the second act, like there's some Dorothy stuff. Okay. We, we, we catch up to the Wizard of Oz. And the, like the, the lion and the tin man and, and all that, like do they come in the mix? Yeah, but maybe that's not how they started. You ever uh, think about yeah. that? Right. Right. Not, right? right. So, and I want to say, <laughs> I was not. I wasn't born with this tin <laughs> frame. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. I was not wicked familiar until I had uh, daughters. Yeah. And then for my, my older daughter, for her 10th birthday, all she wanted was to see I, Wicked. Has she seen Wicked multiple times on stage? No, we're not. What are we, made of money? We're I not green like Elphaba <laughs> over here. Podcasts aren't that lucrative. Um, but we did see it last year, and so now I feel very confident talking okay. about it. All right. Well, so you fired up for that. Yeah. Uh, some other trailers that were released, I want to get straight up into to Deadpool. Deadpool and Wolverine, I yeah. guess, is, is what they are calling this. They are. Did Disney just give up? Hmm. Are they just like we is is this like the most candid admission right that we've we've gone too far mm-hmm. we like the ground beneath our feet has disappeared and we need Ryan Reynolds to come through mm-hmm. and sell the shit out of this movie by dunking on us and by dunking on us and also like in the trailer for the Super Bowl like they don't show us Wolverine we have no idea what this movie is really Did, about you know that's him at the end right the shadow but they don't show it you know yeah the idea is essentially like it introduces the great reset that mm-hmm. I think people have talked about. You could always just reset things. You could always just have it be happening in a different timeline and bring. And so. And boy, am I glad I spent two seasons watching Loki. Because now you know. Because now, because America, some of America is like, what's the TVA? Yeah. I can't wait to find out. What do you think? Well, I want to, everybody listening knows I want to take your side on this and be like, yes, they've, they've given up. I think the flip side of it is, this is the, I'm going to make the counter argument, which is that it's evidence that Disney and Feige understand the value of the Deadpool franchise and are putting their best foot forward to show that they're in on the joke and they're willing to leave it alone. Yeah. That they are not going to try to fold uh, Ryan Reynolds's whole thing into what they are doing. They're going to let themselves be sublimated into that, at least for the purposes of this trailer or this movie. Yeah. Now, all, all the characters you love, but with more pegging jokes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. So the storyline seems to be that your guy, Wade Wilson, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking confidently because I have seen zero of these movies. No. Not a frame. You have not seen any Deadpool movies? No. Really? Yes. Okay. Do you think there's stuff I watch that I don't talk about on this podcast? <laughs> Do you think I'm that flush with content that I just hold a couple back? That's very sweet. I honestly, at this point, don't know how I would take it if you were like, oh, I've been low-key watching this show for two years, but never mentioned it. I should. I should do that. Yeah. I should have done that with like Money Heist yeah. and just come in fluent Spanish and tell you why. <laughs> Hola. It's the best show of the year. Um, no, did you watch the Deadpool movies? Yeah. You like them? 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, the idea that this is now, like, what the fate of the future of Disney's, like, financial stability hinges on is pretty hilarious to me. Yes. Um, and that's why I think I was kind of like, for as much as this is just very consistent with Deadpool and it's actually doing like everything you want, which is like bringing the Deadpool fans to the larger MCU mm-hmm. and being like, don't worry, we still got you here. We still have jokes. It still is is cynical, mm-hmm. yada, yada. I am, I'm bemused by the fact that like, Disney took it as far as they could go with the PG, PG-13 yeah. Disney vibes. And now, like, they're like, we are in this cul-de-sac that only a shriveled-up, wisecracking assassin who mm-hmm. lets off mad shots from 9 millimeters and samurai swords people and can save And breaks the fourth wall. Yes, yeah, and I, breaks the fourth wall. I mean, I think it bears mentioning, like, Avengers 4, what, 5 isn't going to have this tone. Yeah. I mean... The Marvel printed universe. Are you sure? I am not. I'm fairly confident. I think the Feige does because like we thought the, that about like uh, we thought that about listen, like Dave Filoni Mandalorian stuff. We were like, that's this true. will just be off that's in its true. own corner where people that's talk true. really slow and have like lots I, of opinions. Considering about the Republic. <laughs> considering it's no longer Kang's dynasty, it's true. We can't count on anything. Yeah. But I do believe that Kevin Feige, like another great originalist before him, Antonin Scalia, like goes off of the text. Do you know what I mean? He just goes back to the printed uh-huh. text. And I think that he's like, dead. this is what this is Deadpool shtick. This is Deadpool in the comic books. And there are Deadpool comic books. And then there's like the the big soap operatic X-Men comics. And they all, everybody can get along in different lanes and different whatevers. Um, by the way, just some advice for... Have our, you read a lot of Deadpool comics? Enough to get the To, to be able to talk about it on a Well, podcast. I was going to yeah. say, I really... Um, this is just a tip maybe for our younger um, male listeners. <laughs> so Ex- our listeners. <laughs> no, we have no, no. Our listeners aren't young men. <laughs> they're not young. They're, they're the kind of guy who gets up in the morning, gets in the shower. Puts on Radio puts a Free ton Europe. Puts body wash on and is just like, oh, Greenwald's talking about REM cover bands they with Michael Shannon. Spit the suds out of their, yeah. Um, I just want to say that there are a few things that you can do that are that's cooler than explain the history of Deadpool uh-huh. to an adult woman. Like, like print and cinematic. So Rob Liefeld in the 90s was just drawing things that seemed cool. Yeah. Get it, but not their feet, because he couldn't quite do that. But then it became meta-aware. Anyway, my point is, if you are doing big picture, this is going to be a Deadpool movie, and it's going to be fun, I imagine, because he's playing in the different universe now. But your point is the right one, which is, Marvel wants to use the TVA as a gateway between worlds, which suggests ways that X-Men, worlds that already have been populated with X-Men, worlds that have already been populated with the Fantastic Four are inevitably still going to come crashing into the MCU. Matthew McFadden, do you think he was like, I know all of, I, I really understand my character and I understand the, the context of what I'm talking about in do this think, movie? Do you think he called Owen Wilson for tips? Yeah. Why wasn't that Owen Wilson? I think he called Owen Wilson for tips on how to spend the extra money. Or is he Owen Wilson in like another reality? Uh, you don't, you don't no. Know. I mean, I think the suggestion is there are more people work there. Okay. Right? Maybe yeah. our Loki experience, that was just like, um, that was just one floor. You know what I mean? It's Up true. To, I mean, it seemed like a pretty big facility. It's a pretty big facility. Lots I just didn't know if it was kind of like, you know, office buildings have had a tough time real estate wise in terms of occupancy. Oh. Yeah. So what do you think they're doing with the other floors of the TVA? <laughs> it's like there's a sweet green. <laughs> they're trying to get it zoned for condos. Sad. 
No one goes into the coffee shop anymore. Sick two bedroom with TVA. Uh, you know, views are incredible. I got the time loom outside. I, I can see the all three Kang heads. Yeah, there's an Alamo draft house and a Whole Foods downstairs. <laughs> I got these Kang heads free. They're free now. Yeah. They keep saying they're going to take them down. Um, but, another, what? Did you have some more Deadpool you, stuff? I told, are you excited? I, do you like this? Um... Let's rip the Band-Aid off. You know, like, I'm just mm. like, let's get it over with. I think that it's hard for me to imagine Hugh Jackman continuing to play Wolverine. Um, I think it was hard for him, too. <laughs> until they offered him until whatever they, made they offered it easy. him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, so, like, if this is the move that we need to make to, like, turn the car, like, I'm fine. You know, like, let's do this. Let's Let's break up the timelines. Let's, like, be honest about what's going on. And then... I look forward to I look forward to the next chapter of this stuff. I'm also very comfortable with it maybe not being the absolute total center of culture. Um right. And and being like the dominant thing that all other movies need to clear out because there's a Marvel movie. I don't think that's the case right now, right? Um, I, I think that's there also true. aren't that many Marvel movies or shows right now. So I think that's true. Uh let's talk a little about Twisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was personally disappointed that there was not a title card that said from the director of Minari. Um, Listen, <laughs> that's why I'm interested in this. I'm the I'm one. I'm interested. It, it it shocked me how much it's just like we're we're just doing. It's just Twister. You know, yeah, it's it's weird the way it, a, a remake, a, a sequel after years would just be a remake of the original. That hasn't been done. No, um, but it wasn't like one of them is like really bookish. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean, like. It wasn't like one of them had like fled MIT, you know, or something. Oh, oh, like more of an indie. Yeah, it was like Glenn Powell is essentially like the modern oh. day Bill Paxton, and Daisy Edgar Jones is. is oh, which which Stephen Yun should have been in it, being like, I am a wind farmer, and I'm exactly. harvesting these little tornadoes. Yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah, the Elon Musk of wind, you know? No, but gentler. Yeah, sure, gentler. Uh, I thought this actually looked pretty decent. I, I'm actually looking forward to this movie, but like uh, honestly, because. There's only so much you can really. I, I don't. I, I think. Th- I think that there will be like this will be the one movie of the Twisters. I mean, I, maybe if it makes a billion dollars, they'll be like, we need to make more Twisters. But what do you like, call the third one after you've plural? Twist die. Oh, that was obvious. Yeah. Jeez. Or Twista, and then you bring <laughs> bring back the Chicago rapper. Speed rap. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, we, uh, we're really dealing today. <laughs> I think. Um, I. I was fine. I'm fine with this. Okay. I, I want. Lee Isaac Chung to succeed. I want him to get his checks. I'd like to think that he brought a sensibility to this that might elevate it. I think Glenn Powell's a star. And I so does think Glenn Powell. He sure does. Yeah. But good. Yeah, like, this good one way. will go yeah. into theaters, unlike Hitman, which is just going to Netflix, right? Which is another movie that he has in the can. Which is apparently amazing. It's apparently yeah. very good. I'm here to say, let's bring back movies where the enemy is nature. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. I think, honestly, in the last 10 years... People have been a little too soft on Mother Nature. We give we give her the benefit of the doubt too often. I agree. And we're like, oh, it's all, it's it's not we, you, it's us. We screwed up. Yeah, sorry about that. Plastics. But as know? someone who got rained on for yeah. seventy two hours last week, why it's isn't time there we any accountability for Mother Nature? She's the one making it hot. She can do whatever she wants. You know. But remember, there used to be movies where it's just like we're in a town and there's a bank robbery, but it's raining a lot. Or yeah. floods are coming. It's a Christian Slater movie, Morgan right? Morgan Freeman, yeah. Yeah, like... Uh, I can't remember what it was called, though. Or or back to, like, Towering Inferno or sure. stuff. Like, Deep Impact, yeah. Uh, day the day After Tomorrow. or Yeah, the Day After Tomorrow was the one that New I York think, freezes. I think, these, I think we should go back to this because movies 
action movies are only as good as the villains, and the villains have been lacking recently. Yeah. I think in a lot of It would be things. funny if there was like a whole movie where all environmentalists were actually like Spectre from the Bond movies have been like throwing up a distraction oh. from the, the true evil of Mother Nature as she... Yeah. This, <laughs> this exists. I'm sure Gina Carano is starring in it. Also, this is the same strategy that Quentin Tarantino used about in Hippies yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I think it's possible. I don't really have any Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes takes other than I have to say that for me, mm. um, I need a little bit more ape-human balance in my yeah. Planet of the Apes movies, and this seems to be very much like inter-ape dynamics. This is... That's what I was going to say to you. I was like, whoa, these apes have really gotten out of control since <laughs> yeah. I last checked in with and them. And they're chatty. Yeah. They are very chatty. Yeah. And they're given speeches. Yeah. And also, I mean, I don't, I don't remember how things left off because I'll be honest, I tapped out after Caesar and John Lithgow were hugging each other. Yeah, right. Were they like cure Alzheimer's but and then... That was right. cool. That was good. <laughs> See what happens when man <laughs> and ape work together? My thing was... The apes in the beginning of this trailer are like, they say that humans once flew in skies yeah. and talked across continents. I'm like, you're goddamn right we did. <laughs> you guys are still riding horses. I don't know why they're feeling themselves. I'm on Instagram, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I'm watching reels about how to make a one-pot yeah, meal. Yeah. I don't understand. Where's their, where is their superiority coming from in the, at this stage in post-human I think the fact that they conquered the world, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, but they, I think they also, if I remember correctly, there's like an ape flu that breaks out. Oh, shit. So it's like, they, I think a lot of humans die because of that. Because they didn't get vaccinated. No, but I just, I don't, rem, I don't want to say that and not be right. Right. But I also don't care. The, the, <laughs> the, the planet of the apes is not like a really important text to me. I, I just feel like I was watching this and I was just thinking about how many people worked really hard on this movie. <laughs> sure. So many people sure, for sure. so long. Yeah. And I, a bunch I, of people probably worked really hard on that timu.com ad. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I have questions about that. I, I just feel like if I was King Ape and I was delivering a big Shakespearean speech about how I won, but I was standing in front of the broken Golden Gate Bridge and I couldn't get to Marin County anymore. I know. I'd be like, <laughs> maybe we should just work on infrastructure. I love that that's your, Before State that's of the your Union. example of the, the peak of human achievement. It's in the trailer. Get, getting to Marin. It's in the trailer. Also, Marin is very beautiful. Yeah. Kaya's nodding. She's from the Bay Area. <laughs> Any general takes on the mm -hmm. state of American society based on watching the Super Bowl for five hours? Oh, we're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we're Remember really when we, we had like any shame as a society? Yes. And we were just like, you know what? Like, I don't need, I'm, I'm pretty well off. No, thank you. I don't need to pump cold brew mm -hmm. yeah i'm good <laughs> yeah i'm fine or if i do i'm gonna do it in japan where no one sees it i completely agree with this i just i just i i note it i note that that is happening yeah i think it that feels like everybody's grabbing the money before there, money is there worthless. Isn't anymore. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think that look times are tough for everyone it's it uh, when you get offered money i think that generally people should check sure. it but yeah. but it is staggering like everyone is available to do Anything. Yeah. Anything at this point. I liked the Duncan ad because it actually had mm -hmm. like a take and some creativity. It wasn't just like we're gonna we're gonna sell this thing, mm -hmm. but we're just gonna write the check for Anthony Hopkins to sit in a chair. Yes. I also the Michael Sarah ad was wonderful. Yeah, that was good. That was fun. Yeah. That was a that, that how many ad ads worth for things where you're like, what is this? Like I don't know what Timu is. Timu. Yeah. Timu makes me nervous. Yeah. 
Timu makes me very nervous. And does, there were... <laughs> does the, he gets you ads make you nervous? Was that Robert Kennedy Jr.'s ad? No, it was all the Jesus ads. No, I thought that was fine. Yeah. That's, that seems, you know, I, I didn't know Jesus had to advertise, to be honest. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah, I did the Scientology one. Was a, was a little. Which bit one was a, that? The one where it's like curious. Oh yeah, I've Hail seen Zinu. that before. I think or I've seen that that idea before. Yeah. Have you ever dabbled? <laughs> no, they're right around the corner from me though. Uh oh. Yeah. Every, one day, Seahards <laughs> might turn left instead of turn right. Um, I don't really have any other stuff. I mean, like I I noted with interest the push that Shogun from FX was getting. Yes. That is not an inexpensive place to advertise your television show. So the fact that they're like... No, yeah, nor is it an inexpensive television show. No, so it seems like they're they're pushing their chips in on that. And that's a show that I'm sure we'll be tracking. That's coming out at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. And you, I'm, I'm very curious about it. Did you have any uh, any game stuff? Cultural halftime? Want to, want to talk about that at all? I'm like Usher agnostic. I thought he was very good. I will say sort of adjacent to the music. I think the Beyonce song is really good. Beyonce song's good. Texas Hold'em. I like it. Did she, she released a, a pair of songs that, of, of what everybody is assuming is a country-inflected new album. It's the sequel, Renaissance Act 2. Yeah. I mean, that commercial was cute, and I'm glad Tony Hale was in it. But that, that, was, that was one of the first ones where I was like, why, why is she doing this? And then she's I realized an two things. Because one, she's launching an album. And two, do you know how much she and Jay paid for their Malibu beach house? How much? $200 million. But, I mean, for a house. I think they got it. What is that? I think they're good for it. Twenty percent down. That's twenty mil, right? <laughs> Forty mil. <laughs> Property taxes, dog. I know. I thought the halftime show was really good. I thought. I thought. It, I. I think we all knew. Yeah, it was coming. And yeah. I have to say, for our very young listeners who don't exist, one of the one of the perks of getting older is just your music becomes the halftime show. Yeah, music. I was like, boy, I have. I've really liked all the halftime shows for the last decade. <laughs> that's because they're. The <laughs> All good with me. Um, uh, Kaya, do you have any, did you watch the Super Bowl? Do you have a, do you have a particular take one way or another? Usher was great. Yeah. Really brought back my uh, middle school dance. What did you vibes? think of the That's fact mean. She that, looked at me when she said as it. As the producer of every single album, what mm-hmm. do you make of the fact that they didn't show Taylor in, really until after Usher? Was there like a thing going on there? Yeah, I don't know. So I don't like watch football regularly, but I, and like from what I've seen, everybody was like, oh, they're showing Taylor so much, blah, blah, blah. And then they didn't show her at all. Yeah. Like, what is it? I have a feeling that they were like, it's like, this is Usher's show until mm. he's done. And then we cut to Taylor every five seconds after that, which they did. Also, the game was awful until late in the second half. What do you, but like, it's like, I'm sure she was locked in. I'm sure she wasn't like looking at her phone. Like they, they could have showed her. Okay. She, did, she, did you want to see her more? No, but like I, I thought it was interesting that this mm-hmm. was like so built up that Taylor's flying across the world on a private jet to get to the game. She's there. She made it. Blake Lively's there. Like, let's go. I mean, let's they go. showed them every time Travis Kelsey did anything, which he didn't do. He only had one catch much. in the first half. But but, but they showed uh, the the remark like the fifty two yard completion in the first half. Uh-huh. That, that was when I think Blake Lively, her lip. I'm you know amateur lip reader was like. Whole, what what'd she say? She was like, no fucking way. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. cool. That was cool. That was in the first half? Yeah. I, know, I thought I really didn't notice anything until the second half. I, I had a really good conspiracy theory Couple going. Couple Nickelodeon Ultras. <laughs> uh, Kai, as someone from the Bay Area, did you have a rooting interest? Is your family... Also, how do you feel thought, about the and apes today? taking down the Golden Gate Bridge? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's... Uh, it's really, it's three-part question. Uh, yeah, I was rooting for the Niners, but I don't really... Like, football is not... 
really my my thing. Okay, so. we, we Chris and I were not rooting for the Niners. We were okay. not. We, were, we okay. were well sort of rooting for the Chiefs, but that's just because the Niners talk shit about Philadelphia all week. Okay, well then I'm happy for you both. Thanks, thank yeah. you. Yeah, that worked out in your favor. <laughs> that's why he's in such a good mood. You deserve to win. Is the Chiefs won. <laughs> <laughs> My Chiefs fandom, which lasted from 3:30 p.m. yesterday Pacific until like 7:30. Uh, yeah, it's tough. Tough look. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season: your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy, and right now they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Let's do True Detective. Okay. Uh, this is exactly when I wanted to do True Detective. I watched this episode last week uh, when it aired, mm-hmm. and I noted with interest that there were m- many writers uh, credited with this episode in particular. Yes. Yes. Uh, more than you would usually see on an episode of television. I thought that it lacked, for the most part, some of the like <sighs> intrigue, I guess is, is the right word. I mean, there was a, there was a strange sort of... Uh, there are four, four credited writers. Four credited writers, that, which is a fair amount for a, a, a television episode, correct? Yes, and also the way that it's parsed, I'm not, I don't, no, this is not gospel, but it was credited to Katrina Albright and Winona Wilms, separated by an ampersand, and uh-huh. then an and, Chris Mundy and Issa Lopez, which suggests that an early draft was written by the first team and subsequent drafts or revisions were made by the second team. And Chris Mundy, for people who don't know, did a lot of, he was he was essentially the showrunner of Ozark. Yes, and oh. was and was brought into this project, I think, as, a, as an experienced hand and is, was on it through its um, production. Yeah, so uh, I thought that this was a pretty jagged episode. And when I finished it, I was like, huh. And then the more I thought about it over the weekend, I was like, I kind of like that. You know, like there was there was parts about it that I really liked and I thought it had an emotional quality to it that I think will be what I remember about this season of True Detective, which is that it had a certain warmth to it uh, that most True Detective seasons do not. Uh, I do think that we are now going to have to handle a lot of business in the finale. Yeah. But I remain open minded. And I think that obviously the last 15 minutes was pretty gripping. Uh, which we can get into. Obviously, this is spoilers for this second to last episode, episode five of True Detective. So what do you think? I'm going to start with a positive. In my notes for this episode, there's a section where I wrote in all caps, why I won't give up on this show. Okay. And it was after the scene in which uh, Pryor and Leah are sharing a scene in the whole, she's in the the holding cell and there's a bag of Cheetos. And uh, it's beautifully shot. Nisa Lopez directed every episode. I love the framing. I love the framing of Pryor through that tiny window, which in some ways foreshadows the tiny prison that he's maybe going to live the rest of his life in inside <laughs> of think, himself. I don't, I don't think that's what happens in this show. I don't either. Um, he, Can you imagine if Danvers was like, well, you got to go to jail? Oh, no, I don't mean, I meant, I meant emotionally. Emotional oh. prison. No, he's not going. Yeah. No, he's not catching a charge for that. That That's the, literally everyone in that room is a cop. <laughs> Come on. Um, the whole thing about how he, you know, remembering him falling on his ass yes. even though he's a good skater. Doing it on purpose. And yeah. I loved, I loved the scene. And there have been a couple of examples like this, and especially in the last two weeks, with just really artful scene work that is executed really well by good and interesting actors. And other things, the way the camera finds time to linger on 
the machinery of life and death that other shows that are about life and death do not choose to show us. The opening montage of the cremation was fantastic. Amazing. The shots in the graveyard where they can't bury bodies during the winter. So again, it's beautiful and it adds a texture that I think a lot of shows that have high body counts disregard, which is, okay, but then what? Okay, but this is real. This actually happened and how do we deal with it? Those are the reasons why I continue to have a lot of affection and interest in the show. And I preface that by saying all that because otherwise I thought the wheels came off in a major way. Okay. How so? Um, well, I'm trying to decide whether we should start macro or micro with it. Um, well, do you want to start with the biggest headline of what we'll, everybody will be talking about out of this episode, which I almost, is obviously the patricide at the end of it? I almost don't. I, okay. almost want to, to, I almost want to end up there because I do think that that... I mean, the last thing I wrote, uh, here's the last three notes that I wrote my notes. And am I bragging because I took notes? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm showing my work or at least telling you about it. I wrote, uh, <laughs> then I wrote, Doom Core cover of Eagle Eye Cherries Save Tonight? Yes. Question that mark, was, question mark, question mark, question mark. I, I do feel like we're now just like typing things into an AI Doom Core generator. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, what would happen if we put in? And then I wrote, oh boy. And that's the end of my notes. Okay. So, the larger thing here that I'm struggling with is I, I speaking of speaking of originalist attitudes here. If the show is called True Detective and you're going to iterate it or share it and give it to different people at different points of view, I do think that it should primarily be a show interested in detective work and detective stories, mm-hmm. whatever that may mean to you. And this episode to me, sort of continued a trend of clumsiness in that regard because I don't feel like that is the northern star for Issa and what she's doing here. I, it does not feel as considered. It does not feel as uh, wonderfully complicated as the best detective stories are. I think she's interested in a psychological story. I think she's interested in Navarro mm-hmm. and her psychology and her background and her connection to indigenous peoples and the land, this frozen land and all of that. And I'm not disparaging it. And whether or not like the that. thing that haunts their family is somehow being passed yes. through. Yeah. But in terms of the show being true detective, which was a choice, it wasn't developed to be that, but it was a choice. And in terms of all of the, frankly, like delicious items on the buffet, on the cold bar, let's call it for this season, in the first two episodes, the disinterest in large swaths of them is starting to to grate. And when I say disinterest in large swaths of them, the Salal lab, yeah, those guys, that insanely weird thing that happened, the nature of, and again, other people pointed out how similar that the lab scenario is to a show that we talked about a little bit called The Head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also there was another show with Stanley Tucci called Fortitude. Like things have... It's th- also the thing. Yeah. And the thing. Yeah. So, right. So that's been done. But at the same time, it was phenomenally laid out for us. Mm-hmm. And it essentially is a misdirect because the show is about the Annie K murder. Yes. Which is even further in the past and feels less gripping, less relevant. Similarly, a show that puts us in a place where we've never been and did show some interest in... Uh, that place and in that community has just turned frustratingly inward. So it's really just about Navarro and Danvers. And I don't feel any sense of community anymore to the point where my, my read on Ennis is so fluid where I'm like, this is a tiny place at the end of the earth. 
But on New Year's Eve, they can have a full riot squad ready yeah. with other with how many cops, including Navarro doing double like overtime. Well, Navarro, I thought had been seconded to Danvers's detective right? squad of or like but I think from no, being a state troop, from being like a highway trooper. And then Danvers seems to be the local head. Right. Chief of police for Ennis, as installed by Conley, who seems to have some sort of statewide authority. Yes. Uh, Conley is, is Christopher Eccleston's character. Is that right? Yes. And I think that, you know, we, we don't, you and I don't know this, but my, it, the inference made is that because Alaska is enormous, that there are, that there's a different kind of working relationship yeah. between. It's not like precincts or whatever. It's like the, there's the town and there's the stadies. And, and these then, different towns can't, can only handle so much. So the stadies have to come in. But I was surprised as well to see Navarro. That actually seemed like it was in a different show. Um, yes. And, the, the element of, and I also think that. So you, sorry. You, no, it's, you just, it's just, it's things like that. Like, you know, again, you set this very tight timeline that I appreciate six days of night, seventh day of night, 10 days of night or whatever. And, you know, when it was Christmas a week ago, I understood that Christmas isn't significant to some of these characters because of their own personal uh, traumas or challenges or where they are in their lives. A lot of Christmas trees, though. Now it's New Year's Eve, and apparently everyone's agreed not to celebrate because there's no day or night to the point where when Navarro's at the laundromat and like her, the owner of the laundromat is, is at the dentist mm-hmm. in a in different Fairbanks. town yeah. on New Year's Eve. I just be like, and then we're having environmental riots. Like, on what are we doing? It's a that's a party day. <laughs> you're looking at me like this is wrong. <laughs> is this a wrong take? I think that what you're responding to is something that I am also responding to, but in a different way or for different reasons. Okay, okay. So, I think largely I remain really invested in the characters in the setting. Mm-hmm. I think mm, taking issue with some technical aspects of the storytelling and they are as follows. Okay. So we basically have three layers of, uh, of mystery here. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in previous true detective seasons, largely I would describe them as two layers. You have the whodunit. Like there's a crime. This girl is missing. This woman has been murdered. There's a scientist who've gone out into the snow, whatever. Then you have the secondary layer, which is the conspiratorial aspect of it. Like, is this part of a larger mm-hmm. something? Is this the uh, evil that the all mine men do. Mm-hmm. has done this? Um, there is some element of like, you know, was Clark all along this huge villain lurking in the background of Ennis and has been practicing a cult like mm-hmm. kind of pra- you know things rituals for years. What this season does that I think is different and a little bit distracting is it adds a supernatural element to it. Right. And it adds this idea that the dead are not dead, that there is, that people are seeing oranges and and ghosts, and that there's like some kind of extra, like basically an extrasensory sort of like power out there that people are like subservient to and that that is in fact layered on top of like whatever Tuttle Salal mining company conspiracy mm-hmm. of evil there is. That's fine, but it is, there, that just is a lot for the audience to ha- handle. And then when you add on top of it that we are now in the final episode with so many loose strings of, you know, Annie's murder, what really happened in that room with Wheeler, well, I think we got that. Yeah, but here's my thing about that. This has been bothering me for the last couple of episodes, especially now that that Wheeler murder is being used as... A cudgel to st- shut everything down. And, and as, yeah, as yeah. leverage on Liz to mm-hmm. be like, well, you got to shut this down. And Liz is like instantaneously like, I'm out. 
We got to do that. Yeah. There's no way that two characters who had that kind of experience would not talk about it in such a way that would indicate what happened. Mm-hmm. We were only ever getting 25% of that conversation. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's actually quite interesting if Navarro is the person who murders Wheeler and Liz is uh, protecting mm-hmm. her, that says one thing about Liz's character. Mm-hmm. If Liz killed this guy and, and is it, like, yeah. I'm dropping the Salal and Annie investigations because I don't want to get in trouble, that says something else about her character. And point. I think at this point, Navarro would be like, hey, I appreciate you trying to throw yourself on the grenade for me, but don't. Or you're selfish because you'd rather like stay free of all this stuff than fi- finally get justice for these people. I think that's a really good point. I think asking the questions of... Now, look... I, but they're I, keeping I, it mysterious for the sake of television. And that's sometimes what drives me nuts a but, little bit. But I say this, yes. And I say this with deep empathy. Because I know... Look, I never attempted to or made television on this scale. But like the hardest thing about making a murder mystery show is pace and um, is, is pace and mystery, mm-hmm. right? Like how fast are you telling the story and how much are you giving away and how much are you holding back? And it's, I think you have to have a sixth sense uh, as a creator to understand just in your bones what the audience might feel like and what you've, because you know the whole story. So you're doling things out, and it's there's no perfect way to do it. There's really only in hindsight you can say, oh, they really Well, you can do it, it one of two ways. You can either make it like The Wire, which isn't a really a mystery, and it's like, here's the entire 360-degree view of the criminality yeah. and the, the law enforcement. Or you can say, we're going to kind of shoot this through the prism of these two people as they discover this information. Yeah, and in that case, you have to be completely, I mean, you don't have to be, but it's more comfortable I, if I you're in lockstep with those people. I'm a little bit more like neurotic about that element of it than I need to be, right. where I'm like, well, we haven't seen, like, I also tripped over the scene between Hank and the woman who owns the mine. Oh, God, yeah. Because all of a sudden, they've decided to follow Hank outside of just playing music. Suddenly, or, we're in his perspective. yes. We're, we're, and we've, we've had a couple of scenes of but, Hank kind of outside of this. But his scenes have been uh, romantic, comic, sad, or with his son. This yes. is the first time that we are stepping outside of the investigation to learn a side piece of it. Right. And, even, and with that scene, the woman who runs the lab is like, you know, I need you on my side, Henry. Because only villains use full names. Right. I, 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 that was very jarring. And... I understand why it happened, but yes, it, because it wasn't built in. I think it's worth considering taking what you just did with the Wheeler investigation and applying it to the show uh, at large because there's so much being thrown at us and we, and so much of it is being told. And, I, and in a way, I think this is the most effective things the show has been doing, which is the internal psychological torment of Navarro and her jump scare perspective on what might be happening to her or what she's experiencing. But so much of that obscures the fact that the show begins with the Salal researchers. Mm-hmm. There's this terrifying event, the lights go out or whatever, and then they are all, minus Clark, uh, nude, frozen together in a corpsicle. Dying of fright before they froze to death. Yes. Yeah. And Annie Kay's tongue is found at the scene of the, at the lab. Mm-hmm. Since then, that investigation has done what? They have melted them mostly and uh, determined what you just said, that they died before. Um, one of them was alive, but all he did was say that Evangeline Navarro's mother says hi. Yep. Um, they determined that Clark was alive and having a relationship with a woman who died previously in the town, mm-hmm. Annie Kay. Clark is missing. 
someone cut the lights, maybe. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything else in terms of what they've well, learned about this investigation? They've got these two magical cell phones that both have videos, both of Annie Kay's last moments, right? Which, where this, which is why they've just determined they need to get to this ice cave because they think it might have happened there, and they'll find some sort of evidence linking somebody and, to it. And, and in the meantime, and it's connected to the lab, which is connected to uh, the mining. Mm-hmm. It's all being funded, and they're funding each other. And that, but all of that stuff being owned by Tuttle Industries, but, which is the sort of supervillain from the first season. But am I wrong in pointing that out to say, in terms of a traditional investigation detective show, they've advanced that ball maybe one move or one uh, that? Yeah, I mean, I move. think that they've. I'm not they, asking for it to be chased, more complicated. It's, it, they, there's been a broad churchy kind of chasing down of red herring leads like the Oliver Tagak thing. Um, right. I mean, who still may come through as a, a, a meaningful development. The amount of time spent on Hank's Ukrainian or whatever yes. uh, bride-to-be. I think she's Russian. Remember? Russian bride-to-be. You can get fired from the tr- <laughs> from the White Lotus Season 3 cast for making an error like that on Mike. But I could just, I could just get Be a careful. four-hour Tucker interview. <laughs> <laughs> you have to determine your own media future. Um, we've had the Tagak thing. We have had... Uh, the continued kind of, uh, I, I, I would note with interest that some people who seem to be passers through, passers through of like the story, like the miner whose brother sold Clark the trailer, yeah, and the woman who keeps popping up, if she was the one who was being beaten earlier in the yes. season, she has turned up again at the laundromat uh, later right. in, in the season. Like there are characters who I don't think it's a coincidence. I just have no idea why, you know, like yet. Yeah. So, yeah, like there's stuff happening, but other than these two cell phones and a lot of Googling it's, by Peter, that's my point. We haven't really it, moved very far. And yet. that's because so much of the detection. But did Mayor East Town, like, did well, Mayor get very far into things? We like, say this before, I've said this before, but like, if I'm asking these questions first, there's something wrong with the show. Sure. And every, the, the shows that we adore, you could nitpick to death because mysteries have to happen and be unfold in a certain way to be entertaining. Yeah. I mean, this is not a, like an actual by-the-book police investigation. And the detection that exists in the show has been mostly internal and or, or backwards-looking. And that's that's fine. There are plenty of Detective, shows. investigate thyself. Oh, see? Right? And what is true? Really? Yeah. Um, that's... I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with all that. But I think that the beat-to-beat, like, what is what are we here for? What were we introduced to this world as? What was the purpose of it? And, and again, there are many shows that do a bait and switch of like, you think it's going to be about this, but it's actually about that. That's fine. But when you don't deliver on that, that's when you start, um, that's when you start picking nits and you end up with a detective story that almost because it, it had the force of uh, original logic, like this is where we, she wanted it to go. And the only way we got to where we're going is because... Uh, Pete is, and I'm I'm waiting for Wayne Jenkins and Aparka for this because we're dealing with super cop here. Because off screen, he just Googles some shit and is like, there's a man who did all of this. Yeah. I know where he is. <laughs> it's like, that's, he's the fucking true detective yeah. over here. Pete, one internet connection. For real. He's probably doing this off a of dial-up. He's bad with passwords, but he's good with research. Yeah. So all of this to get to the point at the end of this episode, which I know you want to talk about, which which was dramatic, but for me, did not work. And there are a number of reasons why. But you, you go first, since you were, you were eager to talk about it. I think, dramatically, it kind of 
I kind of enj- liked where it ended. Okay. Um, because to some extent, all of the characters in this show are rejecting their natural families and trying to f- shape some kind of new one okay, or true, being yeah. left by the side of the road because they can't in mm-hmm. Liz's case. But, you know, they are kind of reaching out into the the, the night country looking for other people to hang on to. Um, and sometimes they do so clumsily like Navarro and her and her bartender boyfriend or whatever who's Kavik? just incredibly patient. I like this guy. Um, this guy, because he, he understands the plot of all the Deadpool movies, but he's so far <laughs> restrained himself and he hasn't explained them to her. He's waiting for the right moment. You don't understand the apes he's, tore down the bridge. He's going to make her a yeah. big plate of night pancakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like it, the idea of Peter fully rejecting his father by killing him. That's a strong rejection. Uh, and perhaps then, like, only then is he able to like now be part of some other family. Now, I mean, you would make the argument that what he really needs to do is a not murder people and b get out of police work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I kind of it kind of made sense. It was a little janky uh, as far as like everybody's showing up at the same time, yes. and there are people hiding in the other room and stuff like that. And I think that the Otis character was essentially like an extension of the. Stumpy Salal doc, doctor mm-hmm. who woke up like it's like we've now had two kind of supernaturally powered mystic mystic scientist guys mystic gibberish guys who live through extreme circumstances yeah. only to die. And Otis wasn't blind. I thought his he eyes were scorched. His eyes were scorched. But he's seeing a lot. I think like he's sh- snow blind. Maybe. What is what does that mean? Like he can't see the snow. I mean, well, in Black Sabbath terms, it has to do with cocaine addiction. That's where I thought we were going. (laughs) But I think he's literally, like, maybe been in the snow too long. I thought he was like, I could just do some stuff in front of him and he wouldn't notice blind. Like, listen to the Ryan Rosillo podcast in the bathtub. And then he's just like, I'll show you on the map. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know he was capable of that. Um... Liz gets heroin real quick. Yeah, I mean that's that's how, Russ Cole did the same thing, man. He that's was true. he was just like I got that that meth from my bikers. The evidence locker in the Ennis Police Department seems a little flimsy. Yes, it's just like beep beep beep. Do you think that is also has the same code as Pryor's MacBook? <laughs> just get in there, just grab some H. Um, yeah. The implication was that Hank looked at Pryor's MacBook. Yes, and then told who Connolly, who okay, all right, sure, okay. Again, it's. I am not here to criticize the the decisions that the creative team made because they're the ones that they felt were right for the finale we haven't even seen yet. For me, it's it's in this episode especially, it's about execution. You know, whether it's uh, Liz's daughter become with the fastest uh, environmental radicalization since Audrey Horn in season two of Twin Peaks, yeah. where she's just like went in one week to, to like painting her face and getting clubbed. Well, I, I respect it. There's not a lot to do in the winter <laughs> yeah. up there. They got a lot of passion. So again, like the, 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 the standoff at the end, yeah, that's where we were headed. I mean, this is what TV shows do. It's like, you've, you've turned my kid against me. Well, like, let's actually see what that looks like when you have sidearms. I'm even willing to be like, Pete, you know, shoots his father point blank in the head. The problem for me was that the episode didn't end there. Mm-hmm. That is heavy AF. Like that is that's a major, major thing that happened within the world of the show, within any world, and for the characters. And I feel like you have to sit with it. I was stunned that the episode keeps going, where Navarro shows up 
and hands him a squeegee bottle. And he's just like, don't worry, I've got this. You two ladies must get to the ice cave. <laughs> she gave him like some fantastic. Yeah. I was like, so this like, is a forensically sound cleaner. <laughs> there's a jar of barkeeper's friend under yeah. the sink. And a scrub daddy. It is cool Poor to live somewhere where you can just be like, A, the excuse of he disappeared seems to be taken at face value. Sure. And B, where you can hide bodies. Just call Rose. Yeah. She's got a lot of backyard. Um, That's the other person who's who's the my. Oh, yeah. I'm keeping an eye on this person. Oh, also Navarro's like, you need to go to Rose. Do you remember what I just told you? And it's like, yeah, it seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, I'm joking around to say that for me, it was the criticism in the text, which is to say, what True Detective Night Country wanted all along was Danvers and Navarro to be going alone to a potentially fatal ice cave in search of answers. That's where the season's been headed the whole time. And when a secondary character who they've done good work developing commits savage patricide in Liz's kitchen. And then is like, I'm good. Then it's like, I'm good. You guys must I'll get clean to that up my cave. dad's dead corpse. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. And I, I know this seems minor, but if the episode had ended on that shocking moment and then they're driving off the next episode being like, that's crazy. I didn't know an eagle eye cherry cover could be that dark. Fine. Fine. But the commitment and the necessity of just getting them going at the expense of the emotional life that we've been living with, that bummed me out because to bring it all the way back, I think the thing the show does well is show us some of that emotional inner workings of these characters. I have, strangely, even after this discussion, high hopes for the finale. Yeah. Because I think the show started really strong and I would imagine that it has a real sense of where it's going to end. It just may have had some rocky middle act stuff in terms of like how do we get there and so telling these stories over the course of six seven hours is hard it's really hard so i i have a lot of uh i have a lot of hope for the finale and we'll talk about that that episode of the watch will be released on sunday night after the episode comes out and yeah let's we'll, we'll see where it lands kaya thank you so much for producing us today andy thank you so much for coming back you came back strong thank you i the antibodies your vitality me, is, feel, is impressive my immune system is back <laughs> It is back, baby. Uh, We will be back on Thursday with some Mr. and Mrs. Smith content and some Mr. Spade content. We'll always be back with content. I know. I was just giving people a sense of what we're talking about. Yeah, that's a Larry David thing. Now we tell people. The LD. (laughs) 